I'm going to need some participation. How many married people do we have in the room? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Married people, married. Okay, awesome. Put your hands down. How many single people? Where are the single people at? Single people always make noise. Like, woo, right over here. I'm single and ready to mingle. Come on. Okay, put your hands back up. Single people, see, just put them up. Okay, look around. Because this is what you're working with. Look at, look around. You never know. Okay, you can put your hands down. Some of you are like, I saw you, you're like, hey. I'll meet you in the lobby. If, if I helped you today, just all I ask is you name your first child after me. That's all I ask. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a relationship problem? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, that's 100% of us. Well, today I want to talk about this because we all struggle with relationships. We all have them. And yet there was never a class like in high school on relationships. But we all have them. And Psalm chapter 69 is our theme verse for this series. David is writing and he's crying out to God. He says, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Picture this. I can't even breathe. Like the troubles of life are way up here. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mud, in the mire. I can't even find a foothold. So he's, he's, he, the, the pressure of life is so high, and now his feet are slipping. Can anybody relate to that? And the next part says, I'm in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I feel overwhelmed. The last part, he says, I'm exhausted from crying out for, shout the word out, help. God, I'm, I'm asking for help. And at least he knew where to go. But I'm telling you, everybody, a lot of us feel that way in relationships. I'm exhausted I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I feel like I'm slipping. Help, somebody help. Well, that's you today. This message is dedicated to you. We see a picture uh, and a story that Jesus told in John chapter 4 of a, of a woman at the well. And I have a lot more verses in this, on the screen than you do in your notes, just because we couldn't fit them all in your notes. But let me read it to you. Here's the story. That he, Jesus, went through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to a Samaritan village named Sychar. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. And he was alone at that time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy food. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. There was such racial hostility there that, that the Jews and Samaritans would never talk. And Jesus crossed racial boundaries and said, I'm going to talk to this woman. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew. <laughs> Turn and tell the person sitting next to you. If you only knew. Turn and tell the person you ignored. If you only knew. <laughs> if you only knew the gift of God, the God, what he has for you, you would be speaking, and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me. And I would give you living water. Say living water. Living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. <laughs> she's still not, get, she's not getting it. He's not talking about H2O water. He's talking about what she needs to quench the thirst of the soul. And this well is very deep. Where, where, where would I even get this living water? Verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty. In other words, they'll be satisfied. And it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, and then I'll never be thirsty, and I won't have to come back here to get water anymore. She still doesn't get it. She still thinks he's talking about H2O. Go get your husband, Jesus said. Watch this. It turns. Jesus told her, 
She says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now, you're not even married to. Do you think that Jesus has her attention now? And she says, sir, I perceive you must be a prophet. Well, duh. It's Jesus. In our story, Jesus chooses a well as a backdrop to talk to a woman and tell us something. He has this lady. She's been divorced five times. And the guy she's living with now is not her husband. And Jesus is coming to her and talking to her situation. Now, we might look at a lady like this and say, well, man, she had a, she had a run of bad luck. Or maybe it was the area. Like, there's, there's not, you know, have you ever been in a city and you're like, there's no men in this entire city. There's no marriable women in this entire region. Maybe it's that. Or maybe the perception was, oh, well, all men are dogs or all women are gold diggers or whatever that is. But I'm just here to tell you that your perception of other people is drastically tainted based on your bad past experiences. This woman was looking for something desperately. And it's so frustrating to be looking for something in a relationship and not finding it. It's so irritating and, and, and aggravating to expect something out of somebody in a relationship and you're not getting what you need. Can I tell you, we have been sold a lie in America and Hollywood has done a great job of wrapping it in a beautiful little bow because here is what we want. Let's check this out. Hello? Hello? I'm looking for my wife. Wait. This is where it has to happen, and this is where it has to happen. I'm not letting you get rid of me. How about that? We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. You complete me. I'm not just has just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. This is what Hollywood paints the picture and says we all need. You complete me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That makes for good movies, but that makes for horrible living. How many know nobody can complete you but God Almighty? We're looking for somebody else to complete you. You, you ought to be complete in God by yourself. And we come to a place where we're, we're sold a, a lie and we're thinking, man, who can complete me? Nobody can. Write this down in your notes, everybody. Only God can meet our deepest need. Only God can meet our deepest need. Jesus looks at this woman at the well, and he does not say you have men problems. He says you're drinking from the wrong well. That's the problem, girl. You're expecting things from other people that they cannot deliver. 
and now you're frustrated. And when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he, he never intended for them to live without him. He never intended for them to be without Christ, without God in their life. And so he, he created Adam and he created Eve, and it was supposed to be God in the center. And God wants to be in the center of all human relationships. But what happened was sin entered into human, humanity, into mankind, and by Genesis chapter 6, man was Chapter 6, man was, was violent, it was immoral, all because God was no longer first. Now listen to me. We need people, but you need God to meet your deepest needs. There's four deep needs of everybody. Jimmy Evans has made these popular. Number one, we need the need of acceptance. We need acceptance. We wake up with this need every single day. Every one of us has all four of these needs. Now you can try and get these needs met by a person, you're going to be let down. As a matter of fact, many of you have tried to meet uh, someone else's needs and you couldn't do it. You've tried to have somebody else meet your needs and they couldn't do it. But let me tell you, this need is important. To feel accepted. To feel like I am accepted for who I am. And we say things like, I want people to accept me for who I am. Not because of what I can do or not how pretty I look today. I want them to accept me 100% of the time. But look at me. There's nobody in, in the world who can do that 100% of the time. But God says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. That's physical. I will never forsake you. That's emotional. Jesus says, I will never leave you physically. I will never abandon you emotionally. Why? Because they are different, and we need God for both. Because how many know that you can abandon and forsake somebody you're sitting right next to? Because your heart bails long before your body does. And for a lot of people, their heart has bailed years ago, and they just keep showing up physically. Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you. I accept you where you are. I love you. And watch this, watch this. Jesus did not reject this woman at the well with kind of a bad, tainted background. He didn't bypass her and ignore her and go to somebody else who would better fit the kingdom of God as a representation of Jesus Christ. He came and went out of his way to meet this woman, to talk to this woman, to point this woman to freedom in him. I'm here to tell you, on your worst day, God still loves you. We need acceptance. Write this down. We need our identity. We're looking for identity. Identity is where you know who you are and you know what you're about in God. You know who you are and you know what life is about for you. And for a lot of people, they get confused about this. But I'm here to tell you, God knew me in my mother's womb. And that's why it's so important to protect life in the womb because the life starts there, God said in Psalm 139. He says, you knew me, you created and formed me in my mama's tummy. I was already starting to live. And, and many people struggle with John chapter 1, verse 12. But you need to realize that all who believe in him and accepted Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. We are, we are we're fashioned by God. We are created by God. We are children of God because we place our faith in him. Only God, if he created you, he's the only one who can tell you what your life is all about. And that's why there's such an attack on the fact that God created the heavens and he created the earth. Because if the world can get you to believe that God didn't create you, then the devil sneaks in and gets you confused about your identity. Who's your identity in? And that's why we have kids that join gangs. They're searching for identity. That's why people go from one relationship to the next, to the next. They're looking, they're, they're, they're struggling, trying to find purpose and identity in the wrong place. Can I tell you, there will be people in your life. And they'll try to tell you who they want you to be. And they'll try to tell you who they think you ought to be. But there's only one God who can tell you who you really are. Because he created you. He fashioned you. He formed you. He named you and he called you. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful that God called you? 
So our, our acceptance is in God. Our identity is in God. Number three, our security is in God. If you're putting your security in a person or the government, you're going to live a very insecure life. Because nobody can bring the security like God can because He holds the future. Psalm 46 says this, that God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in the time of trouble, and therefore we will not fear. Number four, we need purpose. This is a big one, and this is what our growth track is teaching right now, helping people discover what their purpose is. So because that's when you come alive. When you discover what your purpose is, you really do come alive. You realize that, that you're not just taking up space. But why should I get out of bed tomorrow? Why should, I, why should I wake up and actually get dressed? A lot of people don't know. And they're struggling with, with depression and suicidal thoughts because they've tried to find purpose in an amount of money. They've tried to find purpose in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And when that goes south, their life falls apart. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that your life was created by God on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose, and you don't just exist so you can get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, repeat, and party on the weekend. God created you for a destiny, and at this church, we want to help you find out what that is. So our growth track, it happens every month. We want to help you take that next step to join the church and then discover your gifts and set you loose in your passion so you can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and actually, actually make a difference. Because a lot of people are going around life and they never feel like they've made a difference. How great is that when you say, I have made a difference, watch this, for eternity. It's not just been here today, I'm making a difference that actually affects people's eternity. Well, we all need these four. This woman in our text, she needed all these four needs met. The problem, though, was she was trying to get them from her first husband. She tried to get them from her second husband. She tried to get them from her third husband, her fourth husband, the fifth husband, and even she tried to get them from the man she's living with now, and none of them could meet the need because those needs can only be met by God. Now, I'm not saying that, that people don't meet any needs in our lives. It's not true. We all need each other. I need you. We need small groups. And uh, they start up again in February. We need relationship. We love God by loving people. God knows how much you love him by how you treat people. Hello. <laughs> And I believe with all of my heart that today, God's going to open up our eyes to see something. With that said, if you're single and you're looking for a spouse, can I just encourage you to look for somebody who loves God, who is committed to a local church, who is serving at their church, who is, wor watch how they worship. I mean, if they're just working. Watch how they worship. Are they abandoned in worship? Are they surrendered to God? Are they tithers? Are they serving? Are they running the same way as you? Because watch this. How can two walk unless they agree? Many people get married thinking that when they get married, it'll fix stuff. When you get married, it doesn't fix stuff. It just magnifies the problems. Oh, there's a lot of married folks in here scared to say amen this morning, but you know I'm preaching. <laughs> Find somebody going the same way as you. Not just because they look pretty. Not because you think he's got a lot of money and there's security in him. Your security is not in a person. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this can help you save your life from a world of problems, a world of trouble. And if you're dating somebody, <clears throat> dating didn't even become popular until like 60, 70 years ago. 
But dating, now we jump into relationship and out of relationship. Into relationship, out of relationship. In, out, in, out. In, in and out sounds good right now. I'm hungry. In and out <laughs> of relationships. And we're practicing for divorce. We're giving our heart to somebody, then taking it back. We're giving it away and giving our body away and physically away and our purity away and then taking it back. And I'm just telling you, there's a ripping that takes place. When you're searching for a spouse, look for somebody who loves God with all of their heart and find out how they worship. Find out these things. Paul said this, I wish you could all be single like me so you could give your life to the ministry. Well, for a lot of us, we're like, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be alone. And, and then we start thinking, well, what about what God said? He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Well, that's true. And then he says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Come on, ladies, that's a good thing. When you can find a wife, that's a good thing, God said. Well, listen, he said, when a man finds a wife, that's a good thing. He did not say when a man finds a girlfriend or somebody to play house with or somebody to move in together because it's cheaper on cost of living. He says, when a man finds a wife, it is a good thing. And what that also insinuates is that the wife has spent some time preparing to become a wife and the husband has spent some time preparing to become a husband. I don't think that we've spent enough time preparing for marriage. We just kind of jump in and think, I like you, I'm attracted to you, let's do this thing. <laughs> I think personally, I think people should get pre-engagement counseling. A lot of people get pre-wedding, pre-marital counseling where they already got the ring on and they got the invitations going on and they figure out we got a lot of problems. I don't think this is going to work. But they don't call it off then, do they? They said, no, we got the invitations out. The priest is here. The pastor's coming. We got to go. Let's go. We'll just figure it. We'll figure it out when we get married. And a lot of times people think, oh, let's just think about the wedding day. Can I get you to think about the marriage? Because that's a lot longer than the wedding day. It's a lot longer. It's a lot longer. I don't know what your view of online dating is. I'm not, a, I'm not mad at that. There's a guy named, well, I don't know his name. He started eHarmony. How many have ever heard of that company? Yes. How many on? You on there? Okay, I can put you on. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, you just never know. Okay, whatever your view of online dating is, set that aside for just a second. What he said was amazing. He said this. Somebody asked him, what would you recommend people do? All these people out here who want to get married. This is what he said. This is what he said. I would recommend that they get themselves healthy before they get themselves married. That's good. Get yourselves healthy before you get yourself married. If you're single, go after God with all of your heart. Dedicate your life to God, to the church. Let, become a whole person in and of yourself in Jesus Christ. Because if you are a half a man, you will attract half a woman. And then be frustrated and angry and alone. If you're half a woman, you will attract half a man that won't treat you right. I'm just telling you. And then we get frustrated. You can't, you can't get mad at that, though, because there's a law of attraction. You can only attract who you are. We get mad at the guy. I just keep seeing the date the same kind of guys. Well, look at you. I keep, the same girls just keep coming up in my, well, look at you. The law of attraction. We attract who we are. But when you spend time with God and you surrender your life to God, I'm telling you what happens in you, you become a whole person in yourself and you will attract. If you're a whole man, you'll attract half a, a whole woman. If you're a whole woman, you'll attract a whole, a whole man. And then, then you'll have a whole relationship. 
We've been fed a lie here in America that says you do 50 and you do 50 and then we'll, then we'll have a whole marriage. No, 50 plus 50 is 50 in a marriage. And that's an F on any test. When you do 100, when you're 100%, you're whole and, and, and she's whole, you come together. That's when, when God's first and he's in the center, that's when a marriage can be whole. Can I hear a good amen from somebody out there? I'm preaching better than you think I am. <laughs> everything in life is, that's in front of you. This is the biggest decision of your life. Aside from you to follow Jesus, who you marry is the biggest decision. It's a big deal. And I think that we don't give enough thought to that. And we romanticize a lot of things before when we're dating. And all the married people know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're dating, it was like, oh, I just, I just love, girl, I love the way he eats. This is so cute. <laughs> then you get married and you're like, if he smacks his lips one more time, I will personally choke him with this turkey bone. I will shove it down his throat, make it look like an accident. You know what it's like when you're dating? You try to date somebody that you can control. And then you marry him and you hate him because he now won't lead. <laughs> Ladies, you know what that feels like? You date somebody, you're like, girl, I just love him so much. He just does whatever I say. I'm just, I mean, just so amazing. I, he does whatever I tell him to do. It's great. Everything's great. Ten years later, girl, I, he can't think for himself if the world was falling apart. I wish he would just have one thought for himself. Can't even decide where we're going to dinner. He gets on my last nerve. Or guys, we date somebody that you want to control, and then pretty soon you, you figure out later on, well, she's not spontaneous enough. She's not creative enough, and you get bored. What happened in the relationship? Weeds start popping up, and we never address them. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Say good seed. So it wasn't bad seed. It's actually good seed in his field. But while, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, say the enemy. enemy. By the way, you do have a real enemy. The devil, the thief, the Bible says, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's after families. He's after marriage big time. Because he knows that the family unit is the, is, the, is the foundation of society. He's attacking families, attacking this. And the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, well, the wheat did too. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? When did all these weeds come from? Where did they come from? An enemy did this, he said. An enemy did this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them all up? He said, No. He answered, Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot some of the wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until harvest time. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and, and, then, and, and bundle them up together and burn them and then gather all the wheat and bring them to my barn. It's a story about the kingdom of God and believers and unbelievers. But I want you to understand something. He sowed good seed and the enemy came. The enemy came. This can be applied to relationships too. Where you're looking like, I'm, I sowed good seed. It started off good at first. And then the weeds started to grow. And, and where did all these weeds come from? I never saw this coming. How many have ever had something happen to you that you never saw coming? And you say things like, girl, if I, just, if I knew what I knew now, if I knew it was going to end up like this, I never would have. Where we start thinking, what was I 
thinking back then. I wasn't even in my right mind. I mean, I did not say I do to this. We used to, how, how did we go from loving each other to now despising each other? How come we can't even have a, a, a normal conversation without arguing, without fighting, yelling, cursing, throwing stuff? I did not say I do to this. I'm laying in bed, leaning over, thinking, who in the world is this person laying next to me? Weeds have sprouted. We used to spend hours on the phone just breathing. <laughs> you hang up. No. You hang up. No, no, no. Mm -mm. You. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to hang up all at the same time. And I count to three. One, two, three. Did you hang up? No, I didn't. I mean, how did we go from that to this? How could somebody who loved me and helped me so much at first now bring me so much pain now? I wasn't expecting this. How do we go from that to this? And I'm struggling now. We're thinking, where did all these weeds come from? You know, the crazy thing about weeds is they don't need any attention. They don't even need water. Don't you wish your roses grew like your weeds did? Weeds don't need any attention. You walk by one day and it's six inches. The next week, because you didn't give it attention, it's six feet. And the roots go down deeper. It's more difficult to deal with. It's a struggle. I'm telling you, the struggle is real. And weeds don't need any attention. And therein lies our problem. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present to you the issue that we have not been giving our relationships the type of attention that they need and weeds have sprouted up and now we don't know what to do. What do we do? Well, what happens is we get distracted. Write that down. It was all good at first. They loved her at first. I loved them at first. At least we thought we loved each other. We say things like that. And then, I don't know how it, how it got here. Well, God, maybe God wasn't first. Maybe we were trying to get our needs met primarily from them instead of God. Maybe we weren't loving and respecting like the Bible teaches, but now we're distracted. What in life has distracted you? What has diverted your attention? Because we go from being distracted to confused. Now we're just confused. And we say that to people. I don't know. I don't even know what to do. I'm just so confused right now. Don't talk to me. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know how to respond. I'm so confused. Well, can I tell you the devil's plan is to get you to be confused? And then the next step is you feel alone. You feel absolutely alone. And there's a lot of single people in the room, a lot of single people in the world that they are terrified at being alone. But can I tell you, you can be single and alone, but you can also be married and alone. You marry the wrong person. You marry somebody that's not going the same way as you. It may look good now. You fast forward 15 years and a couple kids, and you will feel what the weight of what it feels like to be in a marriage and still feel alone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, Jesus told this woman in our text, he said, he said, you don't have men problems. The problem is you're drinking from the wrong well. And as long as you continue to drink from the wrong well, you're going to continue to be thirsty. But girl, if you just come to me, I will give you this living water and you will never thirst again. So what do we do with this? What do we do? Number one, write this down. We need to put God first, to put him first. 
Matthew 6 says, seek first. Say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, say then. Then all this other stuff will fall in place. You've heard of first and ten? This is first and then. If God's first, then this other stuff starts to work. When he's not first, nothing's working. Listen, if your vertical relationship with God is not right, your horizontal relationships will never work. This has got to be right first. We need God to be first. And then he shows us how to love. Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. God gives you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, you, the, the fruit of the Spirit never gets applause. It's like, we want the power of God, but we don't want fruit. We toot a lot of things in our life. If you want to toot your horn, toot fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the kind of love that's not the imitation love in the world. The world has a cheap imitation of love. I'm telling you, God will show you how to love like he does, unconditionally, sacrificially. That's love. What's love got to do with everything? But it's got to be the right kind. Joy? You want joy? That's, that's different than happiness. Happiness is up, it's down. It's up, it's down. It's, it's fickle. I'm just telling you, the, the joy of the Lord, you can have joy in, in trouble because God is with you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence that God is in you. Peace. You're either a peacemaker or a troublemaker. Patience, it means you're not short-fused. Kindness, where you are actually thoughtfully considerate. That's what you want to be married to, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what your spouse wants to be married to. These are the kind of friends you want, but we cannot do this without God at the center because the Holy Spirit of God is like the oil in the engine that causes the engine to run and keeps it from locking up. I was driving a friend's car a long time ago when I was about 18 years old, and it was overheating like bad smoke. I called him on his big old brick phone. It was like that. I was like, hey, man, your car's overheating. I need to pull over. He said, no, no, just drive it home. I said, no, you don't understand. It's heating, smoke, it's bad. No, just drive it home. Like we had an argument. And finally, I just I decided, okay, I'm going to drive it home. Well, about two miles later, the engine froze up. It was like, Ur! I mean, I parked it. It blew. It was on fire. It was, gr- it was bad. The oil stopped flowing through the engine. Some of you just feel like if maybe we could just keep going in the relationship. Let's just keep going. And if you don't address the issues, I'm telling you, it's going to cause more damage later. And it'll be harder to deal with later. My suggestion would be to deal with these issues now and make a decision. Whose well are we going to drink from? Are we going to drink from God's well or ours? And so every morning I wake up, I grab my phone and I read my Bible, the one-year Bible plan, and then I pray. And I, I, I chat with Diana only after I've spent time with Jesus. So, some of you non-morning people, you really need to spend time with Jesus in the morning. <laughs> Don't talk to anybody. Get your coffee and Jesus. But I've just decided I, I'm not a nice person on my own. I'm not a caring person on my own. I'm not a loving person on my own. I'm talking about the kind of love that God wants us to, how he wants us to love. Without God, our relationships are destined to fail. You hearing me? And what happens is if we don't, if we don't trust Jesus to meet our deepest needs, we then transfer that expectation to people and get angry with them because they let us down. Every one of us has, we've tried to replace Jesus with somebody else in our life at some point. I've done it. We've all done it. And then we get angry at them because they can't meet our need. They don't have the capacity to meet our need. So that's what I'm saying. Put God first in your life because he's the only one. This woman had, she had a thirsty soul. 
Her soul was thirsty. We too have a thirsty soul and we're trying to get a drink and what happens is when God's not first, I can only love you to a certain degree. It's like I can give you a drink if you give me a drink. But the moment you don't give me a drink, I'm not giving you any more to drink either. But when I, when I have God at the center of my life, how you treat me is irrelevant. I can still offer you a drink. Even if you're mean to me, would you like a drink? Because my, I'm, I'm, my, my source is not you. My source is God. And so what happens is Jesus said, if you ask of me, I'll give you true fulfillment. So what happens is you can talk bad about me. You can lie about me. You can, you can fail me. And I can still be passing that water all day long because my source is not a person. It's Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. How many are grateful that God is the source of your life? We need that in our life. That you can love people and I can still, I, I can be happy even if you don't meet my needs. I can be joyful even if you don't meet my needs. I can have security even if you don't meet my needs because God is the source of my life. So put God first. Number two, this is a big one. Some of you are going to actually have a hard time even writing it down. Forgive. Forgive. I'm not saying what they did was okay. But I am saying it's killing you. We've got to forgive them. And forgiveness does not say it's okay. It just means you refuse to accept payment from them anymore. You're not expecting an I'm sorry. You're not expecting them to come groveling back at your feet. You've brought their balance to zero, and you've said, God, I forgive them as unto you. Jesus Christ brings our balance to zero, and that's how we can do that for others. But watch this scary verse. Are you ready for this? Matthew 6 puts it this way. If you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's great news. Here's a scary one. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. This is serious. Some of you have been carrying around the offense and the bitterness for years. And God is saying, you need to let that go. It's a weed that has sprouted up. The Bible calls it a bitter root inside of your heart. You can't enjoy life. You can't enjoy family. You can't enjoy purpose. You can't enjoy church. You can't enjoy your future. You're, you're just stuck. But I'm telling you, when you forgive, God swoops in and refreshes you and forgives you and offers you grace. I'm just telling you, it will change your life. Number three. Number three. Put God first. Forgive and commit to outserving. Commit to outserving. Romans 12:10 says it this way: love one another. And then it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Like, what would happen if this week we made our homework assignment? You go home, and we're not gonna demand our needs be met this week. Okay, your homework assignment is this: go home and out, outdo somebody else in serving them, in showing honor, thoughtfully, creatively. Loving them as unto God. Because the best relationships happen between two servants. When you're trying to outserve each other. I'm going to love her. I'm going to respect him. Oh, he wants this. He really likes it. Oh, she really needs it. What happens is none of us do that. We're waiting for the other person to take the step in marriage. Well, if he, lo if he loves me, then I'll, make, I'm, I'll think about respecting him. I'll cook, I'll cook that dinner for her. If, if, she, if she come home and she... Wait, there's always like an if. What would happen if we removed the if and we just did that? We're not waiting. I'm not waiting for you to move. Who moves first? 
whoever's more mature. Now it's a race, isn't it? <laughs> to go out of your way and don't withhold love and give it based on performance. It's not healthy. God doesn't do that to you. He doesn't say, eh, you didn't say hi this morning. You didn't pray. Don't ask me for nothing. Yeah, don't ask for an empty lane in Highway 4. Nope. Mm -mm. Traffic. <laughs> Stuck now, aren't you? That's not God. Nothing can separate you from his love. Well, why do we withhold love? Even if you're angry at each other, how, how, like with Diana, I'll still go over and I'll kiss her. I'll hug her. Because like, we know, even I'm, I'm mad at you, but I love you, girl. It's, it's healthier that way. We need this, ladies and gentlemen. Let me close. The Samaritan woman, we all agree, five husbands, another guy. She was a broken down wreck. She had hurt people. She had been hurt. She's a social outcast. She's empty. She's alone. Jesus took one conversation and said, lady, if you only knew. Some of you before this day, you didn't know. But you do now. Jesus is our source. He said, if you only knew, you'd come to me and ask me, and I would give you this living water for your soul. Your soul's been so thirsty. Your soul's been so dry lately. If you'd come to me, girl, I would, I would flood your life with refreshing grace. What if you knew? Okay, what if you knew for a fact, 100%, that if you came to God, he'd forgive you? What, what would you do then? What would you do if you knew that God would give you freedom? He'd help you discover your purpose and set you loose in your passions to make a difference. What if you knew how gracious God was? What if you knew how loving God was? What if you knew how accepting God was? Would you come to him? Would you ask? Because he is rich in mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, he wants to change your life completely just like he did this lady. We all come to Jesus just as we are. Can't fix ourselves. This woman didn't have a fixing time first. They're like, oh, here's Jesus. Let me fix myself. In her broken state, Jesus showed up, came, went out of his way to talk to her, to love her, to point her to freedom in him. And he stepped into her brokenness and brought hope and healing. And then watch what happened. Verse 28 of chapter 4. Then leaving her water jar. This is significant. The woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. What did she do? She had one conversation with Jesus and she left her water pot. What represented her source before now became insignificant after meeting Jesus. I wonder if there's something that you need to leave. No, I'm not talking about your spouse. An attitude bitterness, resentment. What is it? What is it? Maybe if you're single and you know you're dating somebody that, man, you're not, you're not on the same page. Maybe this is what was needed to get your attention before you enter into a holy covenant that is for life. Every marriage has problems. Every marriage. Except ours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am the problem in the marriage, I'll tell you. <laughs> she left her water pot, left her source because she found a new one. And then last verse, 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. 
It's amazing. One conversation with this woman. Jesus takes a broken down lady and turns her into a world changer. And he wants to do the same for you today. And if you're here and you say, Sean, I've been drinking from the wrong well. Today is the day that you invite Jesus Christ back into your life and say, God, I need you to be my source. He's the only one who can meet your deepest needs. And that if your vertical relationship with God gets fixed, your horizontal relationships will be so much better in Jesus name. Come on. If you believe that, let's give the Lord a big hand today.